Hi, everyone. Welcome back to JCM Prepare the Way. My name is Carol, and I am so excited that we are starting another chapter of Revelation today, chapter 21. We are almost finished. And I have to tell you, I love this chapter. This chapter, I think, is probably one of my favorite chapters in the Bible as it pertains to just hope and expectation. I think I think that's exactly what it brings believers. I think it should bring us great hope and great encouragement because this is this is a picture of what we look forward to, the hope of our salvation eternally. And so I get so excited when I talk about this chapter and I'm so excited to talk about it today cuz I mean, let's face it, we have just come through like 20 chapters of heavy, right? And now it just culminates into this magnificent picture that I really, really hope blesses you today. And it is also the seventh and final vision that John sees, because what he sees is a new heaven and a new earth. That's the seventh vision. So I'm going to go ahead and read this chapter, and then we'll dig in. Chapter 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people." God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues, came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall, with twelve gates and twelve angels at the gates, and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel, three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were written the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 
144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel, the construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. What a picture for believers. What a picture. We need to be preaching and reminding people of this every week. This chapter should bring us as believers so much anticipation and excitement for what awaits us. I know it does for me. So let's um, let's begin. Let's walk through this vision and let's let's grasp what we're looking at. First of all, John shares that we will experience a new heaven and a new earth. There will be a new universe. Chapter 20 closes with the earth and heaven passing away. But now the new has come. The way that it was originally intended before sin entered the scene. I love it. God God is not just in the business of redeeming us. He's going to redeem the planet too. He's going to redeem all of creation. Think about this for just a moment. We're already called new creations in Christ Jesus. But so now as these new creatures, these new creations, we're going to be placed in a new creation. Jesus, the Father, they are literally taking us back to Genesis where it all began for mankind. Friends, he is recreating paradise where he can dwell with his people and his people with him, just like he did with Adam and Eve. What a profound thought this is. And this is good news. This should be part of the good news we share with those when we preach the gospel. The gospel is filled with so much good news. Salvation is just the beginning. Then we move through our Christian life being transformed by the Holy Spirit to prepare us for this paradise, for this life to come with Christ. It's all so big. It's so big. It's way beyond, I know, my own human comprehension and understanding. When you really sit and ponder this, it's so big. And there is no other religion on the face of the earth that offers this. That's what's incredible. It's such an honor to be a Christian. Then John sees something. 
he sees this holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven to earth. And she's adorned like a bride ready for her husband. Now think about how a bride, she spends months preparing for her wedding day so that when she walks down the aisle, she is a vision to her husband and to those who are watching her. Well, that's what this city is going to be. It is going to be an absolute breathtaking vision. It literally will take our breath away like a bride does. All eyes will be on her, especially the eyes of the lamb, her husband. See, God is even redesigning the holy city, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, a city that has been trampled underfoot by men since its very beginning. It has been ravaged, burnt, it has been defiled, it has been destroyed, and now it's brand new, filled with the glory of God, filled with his pure light. So let's go through and talk about some of the characteristics of this city. Well, first of all, it says the light coming from the city was described as jasper, but yet clear as crystal. And that the walls of the city were made of jasper. Now, we're not sure which color of jasper John sees here, but jasper here on the earth is often found in shades of brown or red or orange or yellow. There's other tones to it, but those are the core tones. And here on earth, again, besides those colors, the other interesting thing about jasper is jasper tends to fall into two main categories. A picture or patterned jasper, sometimes it can have uh, resemble like a landscape. It has a unique look. Or there's a jasper they call flame jasper. It's more solid in color with a very smooth texture. And so we're not sure which type of jasper John is seeing. But what's interesting about this element is that the colors of the mineral, they're determined by elements that it absorbs from its environment or compounds that were present when it was formed. That's how it is here. Well, consider that for a moment when you see that this city obviously was rebuilt in heaven because it's descending from heaven. So if this is an, a mineral that's determined by elements that it absorbs from an, its environment, then we know that this is absorbing things of a heavenly nature. This is going to be a, a, a jasper that was probably how it was always meant to look, not like this earthly jasper as we know it today, but have this is a, this appearance of something so radiant and heavenly. Second thing it says is that the city is pure gold. You know, when we see gold today, like a gold band or a necklace or something else gold, it typically has that yellowish orangey color to it, which means that there are impurities in it. The impurities produce that yellowy color. Pure gold, however, will be like the purest white you've ever seen or transparent. And here in this city, it's saying that there will be nothing impure in it. So jasper for the walls and a city of pure gold that will look like glass. 
That's how pure that gold will be. And it says that the city, it has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminates it. The lamb, Jesus Christ, is its light. So it's a pure city with pure light. Just those first initial descriptions, I mean, I, I don't even quite know what to do with that. It's, it's like I said, it's beyond my own comprehension. And then you consider the size of the city. I've always heard people say, it'll be like the size of Europe. Well, I've never really measured Europe, but I did try to do a couple of other sizes of things. You know, when you consider the largest cities in the world today, You've got Tokyo, which is at about 37 million people. You got Japan, uh, or Tokyo, Japan, 37 million people. You got Delhi, India, which is around 31 million people. And then you've got Shanghai, China, which is around 27 million people. That's a lot of people. These are cities. The population of the U.S. is around 330 million. So consider that. But I like how one preacher said, This is a city whose size could fit into the moon. It would be like the distance of Paris to Poland. So consider Paris in the middle of France, going all the way to the eastern end of France, all the way through all of Germany, and then going into the mid to far end of Poland, almost to Belarus for Warsaw. Or if you live in America... How about Boston to Chicago? It's a huge city. So its measurements are enormous. And so you have this brand new, radiant, large city. And it makes it very clear in this scripture that the cowardly are not welcome there. Unbelievers, Those who have done abominable things, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all the liars, they won't partake. They shall have their part where? In the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstones, which is the second death. The second death we mentioned in chapter 20, well, we called it the second resurrection. When the first resurrection are believers who raise up and and potentially reign with Christ for a thousand years on the earth, then there's the second resurrection for everyone else that has to come and stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Well, right after that, what happens to them? They're cast into the lake of fire. So they already died once. Now they've got to face death again, and it's their judgment. So people people out there who preach that hell is not real, or that God won't send anyone to hell, they're missing the mark. We learn more about hell, my friends, from Jesus in the Gospels and Revelation than anywhere else in Scripture. He teaches on it. He teaches on it more than anybody else. So those people will not be permitted. They will be cast into that lake of fire because only the pure can come to this city. Now let's talk about the the foundation of the walls of the city. There's a list of gemstones that make up that foundation. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third uh, chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, 
the 11th jacinth and the 12th amethyst. I wanted to repeat those because there's something really interesting about these gemstones that I want to point out. And I tell you this for me is such a faith builder that it's worth mentioning. There are two distinct kinds of small precious stones. You've probably learned this in science class. You've got isotropic and anisotropic. When pure light or polarized light or some kind of pure light shines through an isotropic gem, it changes the gem. It darkens it. So when pure light shines through an isotropic gem, it darkens it. It loses its brilliance, its color, oftentimes given the appearance of something similar to coal. On the other hand, when pure light hits an anisotropic gem, it enhances those stones. It makes their appearance, their colors more brilliant. It can even produce a myriad of other colors that just radiate out. Incredibly brilliant. Now, examples of isotropic, the ones that go dark when pure light shines through, are diamonds, garnets, something like a ruby. The gemstones that John lists in this chapter of Revelation, they're all anisotropic. Sapphires, emerald, topaz, the others. How would John know? that the stones he listed would be the very ones to radiate pure light in such a way that it would make them even more brilliant, casting a myriad of other colors and reflecting those colors onto other surfaces surrounding them. So imagine a city whose light comes from the Lamb himself, the purest light that there is, what his light does to those gemstones that are found in the foundation of the wall of the city. Our eyes cannot even begin to comprehend the glory that's going to be on display, how those gemstones will cast his light even further and illuminate this city. There is nothing, there's nothing on the earth that can even, we can even, Compared to a place like this, it is going to be beyond our wildest imagination. Now, like the temple of old, the city will be like a square, and she will also have a great and high wall with gates. Only on this great and high wall, there will be 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. And names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Now the wall of the city, it will have 12 foundations. And on them are the names of the 12 apostles of the city. So you've got the names of 24 Jewish men displayed in this city. Hmm. I don't think the church replaced Israel, friends. These particular Jewish men will be singled out and they will be remembered forever. So we have the pillars of Israel and the pillars of the church. One new man, just as Paul describes and promises in Romans chapter 11. Why is this city so special? 
because it's going to be the capital of the new earth. Chew on that. (laughs) Today, when you hear about nations and moving their embassies to Jerusalem, that's no small thing. Don't miss this. That's actually a very spiritual act because by moving their embassies, they are acknowledging Jerusalem as not only God's holy city, but the future capital to come, whether they realize that's what they're doing or not. So pay close attention to the nations who are or have moved their embassies to Jerusalem. They're in alignment. And then it says, he who sits on the throne, which is Jesus, says, I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes, there's that word again, shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. This inheritance, this is ours, but we must overcome. And the gates of this city They're going to be open all the time. It's not a prison. We get to come and go whenever we like into paradise. And there's no night. So we can explore the new earth, this undefiled paradise, whenever we want. We think this place we live now is beautiful. Friends, this is the fallen version of the perfect. Imagine that. He's going to give us the perfect back. And he gives us the reassurance that nothing by no means shall enter that defiles it. Like what happened in the garden. No lie will enter. All of that will be done away with once and for all. So we don't have to worry that it's going to get corrupted again. How encouraging, how hopeful, how beneficial this would be for believers if we talked about it more. Behold, he says, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying. There will be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Wow, that's ours. (laughs) That's what waits for us. I hope this encourages you and blesses you today. Stay the course, my friends. There is so much waiting for us on the other side. God bless you.